afternoon ladies and welcome to the very first ever status quo podcast the love series so thank you very much ladies for joining me i really really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart and i would like for you guys to just do a brief introduction to you and then i think we can start Hi everyone, my name is Guku, Guku Ndondo. I am in my early 30s. I'm a mother of two. I've been married for almost six years now and I'm a professional. Okay. I'm Wulelwa. I am Johannesburg born and bred, uh, turning 35 in a month. Goodness. Um, very single. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe that, um, but big believer in love and trying to figure out what that means for me. Hi, I'm Spessy Le. I'm 27 years old, uh, from the Eastern Cape, but now living in Joburg. Uh, I am single and not looking. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, ladies, for that brief introduction. So I think we can um, get to start sort of in the part of the content aspect. So I'm going to ask, what does love mean for you right now? At this stage of your life? It's companionship. For me, it's just having that friend that you can talk to all the time. When it's tough in the world, you've got someone to just make it better. It's that simple. It's not complicated for me. Mm -hmm. And to me, love is the place where you're safest in the world, uh, where you can be your real self and not be judged, and where you're nurtured in your absolute best. Yeah, I agree with everything they've said. Um, there was a quote that I heard this week, which really, really like hit me in my chest. But basically, um, I think it was Sarah Jake. She said that love is finding everything you thought you'd ever lost. Mm. And I think that that's what it is to yeah. me. Wow, that is so deep. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's so deep. So and as the host, unfortunately, I too am like Willelwa. Single, single, <laughs> single, single. No, so I'm I'm a believer in love. I'm a hopeless romantic. I'm a believer that love is all that you describe it and more. Mm -hmm. I actually can't wait to find my person in life. And it's the way that I feel about love is that I believe everyone deserves it. And I think it's taken me a very long time talking from personal experience in finding out the love I need, I actually am deserving of it. I think that was a very, very big um, hiccup for me and it was a very big journey. And it took me a long time to actually look at in terms of, do I actually deserve it? Am I asking for too much? So I think now we're going to change the order of things. So how has your view of love changed from what it is currently to what it was before, let's say, okay, good, good, because I know you've been married for six years. Let's just say minus 10 years plus. <laughs> Minus 10 years plus. I think we're going to start with Sisha now. Ooh, am I even prepared? Um, so it's so funny. Uh, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, five to six years ago, it was not something that I necessarily thought about. And it was probably a little bit more surface. It was more about, you know, how do I feel? How does this person make me feel? Does this person make me feel like, you know, I'm the most amazing human being in the world? When in actual fact, it's a lot deeper and a lot my view is a lot deeper and a lot more mature. I think, you know, when I ever do end up with the person that is my person, whenever that is, um, it won't be like a tap that you just open and it keeps going. It's something that I'd intentionally need to build every single day and they would need to intentionally build every single day. So for me, love would be in my marriage or whatever relationship would be us continuously choosing each other every single day day and us continuously fighting for each other every single day so it's moved from a passive sort of up in the air airy fairy to more of an active and hard work um perception of what love is i think my philosophy is a lot the same um i spent a lot of my 20s being super open to everything and everyone and i think i'm giving myself more permission now to to be more deliberate about my choices and to walk away from things that are not working for me anymore. And to know that that passion and that excitement, yes, that's an element, but that's not everything in terms of what I'm choosing for myself. Um, I want somebody who shows up uh, to this relationship as, and is as excited as I am. Um, so I 
you know, I always worry about the pool that I'm finding and whether or not I'm even looking in the right kind of places <laughs> and whether or not I'm looking for the right kind of things. But I also need to be a little bit more forgiving of the people on the other end. You know, you go into this thing expecting the person to be perfect, but are you good enough for what you want? And that's kind of where I am at this stage in my life. I, I want to be the best version of myself so I can get the best person for myself. Um, so I know that a lot of that is internal and I'm willing to wait for it. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing that has changed, it's not far off from what you've said in terms of it not just being about what I want, how I want to feel, those butterflies, is it exciting? I think when you get married, priorities keep changing and shifting and you start learning that love is not one dimensional. For you can mean something else where they refer to different love languages for different people. It's then understanding your partner's love language and what makes them happy, What where do you fill in the gaps. Um, I think in my relationship I found we're not perfect, but we found a space where we're comfortable. No matter how I'm feeling, what my day is like, I know I, can, I have an outlet in my partner. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I have a lot of friends. So I used to have a lot of trust in my friends, share with my friends. But I think over time, as you spend time with someone, you find a different outlet, a different person to talk to. I think I'm also a bit busy. So to have someone every day, it's actually, it's quite comforting. It's quite nice. I don't know how to explain it. It's just... Mm. It's not it's not materialistic whether we have money, whether we don't, whether it's a good time, a bad time, it's still a comfortable space. It's just your happy place. Mm. No, I think I agree with everything that everyone has said. And I think my I think I love Bulela when she said the term show up for me. I think for the longest time personally, I was with people who didn't show up for me. And when I mean show up, I mean be present. I think I was with people who were there but were not present. So it's not mean that someone wasn't home, I didn't see them often. It's just that they were not present. And I also showed, I sort of changed my perception in terms of being more, the older I've become, the more concise I've become about what I need to function. So I've moved away from having, um, I think Google might know this, I used to have such a very long list, two, three core things that I can't live without. And it has, it, it goes up to being, besides someone showing up for me, kindness goes a long way for me. Mm -hmm. Kindness and empathy goes, it is by far the most important thing for me. Someone kind. And I also need someone who's warmth, because I do agree with Google in terms of they need to be your safe space I, I think that just has to be your safe space so ladies what do you think you've learned over the years so we've just touched on how things have changed but what have you learned and what have you realized works and what doesn't work I don't think I'm learning anything <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I'm one of those people who has a very soft heart, but intellectually, when I'm going into bad situations, I know better, but I continue to do it because I have such a soft heart. So it's this war between your head and your heart that's perpetually happening. And I'm by no means anywhere nearer to that, but I'm enjoying learning about myself. I'm enjoying the moments where I pull back from those situations and I'm like, okay, what you did there was silly. <laughs> now stop firstly, and then think and think about how you can do it better. It's so important for me to start to trust my own instincts about what I like and what I don't like. I find that I often try, in the interest of giving a person a chance, overlook all the signs that they're just not the person I'm looking for. Um, overlooking when somebody treats people that are not necessarily me with disrespect, mm. that's, that's a big thing for me. That's a no-no. Um, but I'll say, you know what, uh, no, maybe he was having a bad day or um, maybe I'm not giving him a chance. So I, I don't know that I have that answer yet, um, but I'm still fighting for it. Sita? That's quite interesting. I think for me, the biggest shift in how I've approached love has probably been shaped by my spiritual journey. So um, three, four, I can't even remember how many years ago, but, you know, I gave my life to the Lord. And in that 
um, as you spend more time with him and as you grow in your faith and as you become, um, or not become, you'll never get there, but as you <laughs> take the steps towards being the person that, you know, he wants you to be, he changes the way you view things and he changes the way you see things. So I think before I approached relationships and, you know, for me, they were, uh, they, they filled a void if that made sense. So, mm -hmm. so I would date someone because then I'd feel a bit whole because I have this guy who actually is not all that interested in me, but you know, the, the 5% or the 15% of his time that I get makes me feel pretty good. So I'm just going to stick around and stay here to getting to a point of realizing that that is absolute trash. You are worth a hundred percent times more, well, not a hundred percent or 15 percent, <laughs> but you know what I mean? You're worth so, so, so much more. And the person that you should be with, and, and I think for me, the person that I would like to be with, our relationship should reflect God's love. And that's a huge, yeah. like, mm. that's a huge responsibility to place in a relationship. But at least this guy or, well, this guy, this guy, whoever he is, he should want to aspire to that. So if he doesn't aspire to that already, because yeah. now we're going in two different directions and I'm going to be mm. sitting here trying to pull this person in in line with the ambition that I have for this relationship. And it's just, they don't have the capacity. And I think that's a, a big reason why I've been completely single for or, almost two years now. And it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon, <laughs> but you know what? It's okay. <laughs> mm, uh, so I'm going to add something. It's actually quite funny. Like I always go back to this Maya Angelou quote that says, when someone shows you who they are, <gasps> believe them the first time. Mm. Yeah. Because people always give us signs. Yeah, I just somehow there's always I, I'm like Bulelwa, you know, I make excuses. But at the end of the day, this person showed me who they are. And I'm also very big on disrespect. It's not necessarily how you treat me, but how you treat other people. If you're someone who is rude, degrades someone else in public, it's not something that can flow with me mm. as a human being. Yeah. And then Gugu? Um... I think what I've learned over the years, it's also as a spiritual element, if you read First Corinthians 13, that has a simple definition of love, but the elements of those things you need to really work on because they don't come easy, having to forgive, having to not be envious and so forth, love being long-suffering and all those elements. But I think the biggest thing for me is we don't live in a bubble and love does take work you, you're not just gonna sit there and it's just always gonna be rosy um so for me i've always loved to look nice i've always liked to buy nice things but i don't get that chance but if i do do it i do it for myself and i want to impress my husband i mean there'll always be other people out there who've got it going on or whatnot but if you appreciate yourself and your relationship and what makes the other person sort of happy or stronger in their weaknesses. It's more understanding each other. Um, and then people always also talk about compromises. There's stuff you will compromise on, but there's stuff you can't compromise on because if things go bad, that love must still sustain you and keep you guys mm -hmm. going. And if you've compromised on the things you've said, like you're saying, you've had a long list even if your list gets shorter, there must be those principles where you've mentioned things like respect and so forth, which must always be fundamental foundations of whatever your relationship is. It's it's not fluffy. It's not something you'll just sit back and hope for the best. You will work on it. You will compromise on certain things. You must make an effort in other things to make your partner happy. It's not just you. It's not just them. It's the two of you. So now we're going to change the direction of our conversation. And I know, although Gugu, you're very married, you must be aware. How is the dating pool in Johannesburg? I'll take this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take this. I'll, I'll kick this off. So I actually did an experiment. I don't think I spoke to you about it, Snessy Pool. Um, two or three months ago. So, you know, I said I'm single and I'm not looking. So I was like, okay. So as Bulelo does when she um, 
looks for candidates in a role, companies don't hire the first person who, who comes. And what I was thinking was when I do get to the space where I would like to be in a relationship, I don't want the first loser who comes around mm. to be the person I jump at because there's something missing. So I went on a dating exercise to see what I immediately don't like, see what I immediately do like, who interests me, who doesn't, um, what am I willing to, you know, compromise on? What am I not willing to compromise on? And kind of build on my, on my, on my mental sort of um, bank, if that makes sense. Build that job description. So anyway, I went on Bumble, which was quite fun. So it was something that I used in the UK when I was there to make friends. And then it's kind of like a less raunchy version of Tinder. So what it also does is it's the profile allows you to put information like do you want children are you a christian how tall are you so you're able to kind of narrow it down to see people who are in line with you somewhat so it was interesting i met quite a few people went on a couple of dates and um what i would say is you know people there seem a lot more serious than you know who you would find in other platforms or if you i mean i don't go to the club so i'm not going to find someone in the club Mm -hmm. i'm not really going to find someone in the streets uh but what i've seen is it is a bit rough hey it is a bit rough, especially when you filter it down to being in a professional sense. So if you take Johannesburg, then filter it down to black, then filter it down to a specific age group, then filter it down to a specific profession or let's say tax bracket. Yeah. <laughs> what ends up happening is the inventory on the female side mm. is a lot more than the inventory on the male side. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at the level of integrity, the level in, of integrity and let me say um, character on the female side is a lot higher than that on the male side. So what I'm finding is if I were to take this filter down and put just my age group, let's say my city 27 to 28, maybe 10% of those candidates are viable. And of that 10%, eight of them, eight out of 10 are already in relationships. And, you know, there's very few. So now you're looking for 2% of this pool in a sea of good-looking Decepticons. So... (laughs) Accurate. <laughs> so I think that I've, I've spoken very long, but I think yo, you need to be sober, hey? You need to be sober. Otherwise, this blue suit and the BMW will make you so dizzy. Like, mm. you have to peel through so many layers mm. to get to this person's character. And I think our culture in Joburg is not to be forthright or vulnerable or to show who we truly are. It's to perform. Mm. And so it's to perform and it's to be a a certain yeah. person or a certain guy. So that's what I feel makes dating rough in Johannesburg because you're not talking to the person, you're talking to your representative Yabo. Mm. And... <laughs> that is true. Very so, yeah, I'll, I'll just <laughs> No, so funny yeah. enough, I've actually been on Bumble and I went on a couple of Bumble dates and I think I, I agree with you. People CV, and I mean, I met venture capitalists. Mm-hmm asset managers, um, senior associates. I met very, very well-educated men, well-educated. They're doing the things that I should be attracted to. However, I found that they were not emotionally available Mm. and they were just not mature. I don't know what it is about the dating pool in Johannesburg, and I'm over 30, so they still, the men seem to still follow the same thing that they did in high school, which is the boys, the boys, the boys. I don't, and they sort of have a follow the leader approach. Mm. And maybe it's just because I'm located in Joburg North, so I don't know what goes on somewhere else, but I've just found that it's not that they're not well-educated, well-educated, well-bred. You know, you're like, do you think to someone, this is who you grew up with. These are the characters who spend time raising you where did you go wrong in the production line? Like, where does it not, where did it not make sense? I'm not sure, Bilelo, if you... Mm. Um, I mean, you are connected to me on social media, so you know that I'm notorious for my terrible dating stories. Um, I have been <laughs> I told to multiple you. times I need to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, I've had all kinds of situations. So I, I don't know. 
I've never really had the been impressed by the academics and the accolades and the good job and all of those kind of things. So I've always felt like my dating pool is slightly larger. And, and I think there's danger in that because you end up swimming in treacherous waters. Um, <laughs> I've been with cocaine addicts and pie thieves and... Yeah, yeah, the list goes on. But <laughs> um, my biggest takeaway, and especially in my 30s, is I found that men and women are socialized very differently about what to look for in a partner. So the expectations are not aligned from, from the get-go. So I find a lot of men want to have all the benefits of patriarchy, but none of the hard work. They want to have the wife that is beautiful and smart and amazing, but still cooks and raises the children and looks lovely and does all those things. Whereas women are raised to rely on themselves a little bit. And there's good in that, but there's also a challenge in that you're not vulnerable enough to trust the next person and do the right things. So you are constantly butting heads with these people that don't want the same things as you. And you don't even know where to start to look for someone else who has the same values. Um, I'm not going to go into Tinder because that was traumatic. I was <laughs> off it within three months. Um, but I don't think any social media or dating platform is bad in and of itself it's just a reflection of who the people are that are on it um so i think it's just a another reflection of real life so your chances of meeting that kind of person on the street are, are kind of kind of the same as going onto a platform and having that conversation so i don't know i, th I think i've closed myself off to a certain extent because of fear because of all my horror stories and um, that I'm scared I'm actually going to block off my own blessings because I don't know how to recognize them yet. Um, but the dating pool in Jehovah, I don't want to say nasty things about men because it's not about hating men or, or any negative messaging around that. And I think it's often perceived when you talk about the negative things in dating that, oh, oh, she's a feminist, she hates men. Ugh, I'm not even going to bother here. And it's not really about that. It's about loving who you are and loving what you want and being unapologetic about wanting the best for yourself. Um, and I find a lot of people are intimidated by that, especially if you put it out in the beginning. Um, so I don't know. Maybe the, the pool is there. I'm just swimming on the shallow end. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is not my expertise, <laughs> but from, I think from observation, what I've seen is that people go through different things in life. And unfortunately, when you find them, you find them having gone through whatever they've gone through. So someone might represent a perfect package, but they've been hurt by someone similar to you. So the way they interact with you is very different to how they would have before their previous partner. So you're always having to deal with the different issues that people have gone through in their lives. And then I agree with Bulel in terms of the fact that we're not raised the same in terms of expectations. And people still expect certain things, but while other things have changed, even with my husband, when we started off, he expected things, to me, me at least, to be similar to his mom. You cook, you run the household, but I work, it's, so it's not the same scenario. But it's something you talk about over time and people do evolve in the way they think. They say you can't change a person, but you can evolve the way they think. And you get to a point where you see what works, what doesn't work. So from where I'm sitting, you won't necessarily find the perfect package that you're looking for. But I think in your dating space, you can sort of see what things can change here and what things can't change. And that's where you can determine whether it's going to work or it's not going to work. Otherwise, like I said, I'm not an expert in that. So one of space. the so one of the things one of my friends said in that she actually echoed your point, Gugu, was that you need to look for a teachable spirit. Yes. So he may not have everything that you want, but is he willing to is he open in his thinking? Mm -hmm. You know? Like I think for Sile, for her, Christianity is quite a very important thing. So has he never been exposed to Christianity or it's not something he's investigated thoroughly? So would you be open to someone who doesn't actually go to church, doesn't go in a relationship with God, but would be like, okay, let me try? Um, so I'm not going to say no. This is what I'm going to say, though. I think with every person that I interact with, I always kind of consult God and say, God, if this is not going to pop off, take it out. 
and he's he's quick like he he will shut that thing down super fast so i think with anyone that i do meet and let's say he isn't a christian i mean i wasn't a devout christian four years ago so he is where i was four years ago who am i to say hi i i you know i can't be with you but um for me yes the teachable spirit and and i think i, I just want to add the caveat that he doesn't need to necessarily be taught by me as well I think someone who can be accountable to someone is important. So you mentioned something about how men follow the leader because it's it's our natural nature to want to be led by someone or something. So if you can be accountable to someone or willing to be led by someone, and it can be another man, it could be Gugu's husband, for example, it could be someone else who will, you know, not necessarily groom them, but someone else who will kind of walk the life path with them and guide them in the right way. Someone who's open to continuous self-improvement is what, I, what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Let's take away the, the faith or anything else, but self-improvement. Because what I find is when we get together as women, and it doesn't need to be an age group thing, when we just get together as women, our conversation will move very swiftly to how to be the best version of ourselves we can be. When men get together, they don't do that. <laughs> they don't sit and have, you know, sessions where they, they're trying to continuously be the best person that they can. So I think for me, the first thing I will look for is someone who is trying in whatever facet of his life to be the best person that he can be. And then from there, you know, things can potentially move or they don't. And you'll be my homie and life will be great. So it's actually weird. So I'm going to ask, and I touch on, go back to Google's point. Do you think in this day and age there is an adequate split of emotional labor in relationships or cognitive labor? So there's a term called cognitive labor. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily doing the cooking and the cleaning, but it has to do with in relationships doing the emotional work. Do you think that is there's an adequ- adequate split of it? The question is, what's adequate? Yes. So I think for me, it's something, like I say, you have to work on. Like for me, lately I've been working long hours and I think my husband fills the gaps where the gaps need to be filled. It's quite an emotional roller coaster when you can't spend as much time as you want with your family or your loved ones and whatnot. Um, So for me, it, it depends what it is for you. Is it someone covering the spaces you can't get to? Is it someone always being there and holding you? And it depends what it is for you. So it's you first have to define what it is to know if it's mm. enough or mm. <laughs> fills the gaps. I don't mm. know. It's quite a broad question. Mm. Mm. I mean, I, I, I completely hear what Kupu's saying and it resonates with me. What is adequate? And I think that's important. I think we often encounter people in our dating lives that want to follow a relationship playbook. They want somebody to lay out the blueprint for them and they will follow the steps. And it's not about that. It's about being present and interested. And when you're present and interested, you're always going to be working towards making your home the best that it can be. And identifying a gap and doing something about that gap in the time that you're there. I I struggle a lot with people saying, you know, women are so successful now. What is my role? No, it's not my responsibility to define that for you. I think within the context of your relationship, the two of you need to negotiate and figure out what works for you. Whatever happened to you in your previous relationship may have worked because of the two of you had those expectations or you had those limits and responsibilities in that specific relationship. You can't come and put that blueprint on our relationship. We are a different thing. And that's my expectation. I I, I want somebody who is going to look at the light bulb in the house that hasn't been working for a couple of weeks and sort it out. It doesn't have to be him getting on a ladder and doing it. If he needs to call and make an outsourced decision around getting that done, I don't mind. My thing is take an interest in your space, take an interest in your relationship, make sure that you're operating at your best. Yes, it's hard and it's exhausting. And sometimes you just want to cocoon and do nothing for ages. But understanding that your person has certain things that are painful for them to watch you not taking part in. If it hurts your person that you don't ever pick up your socks off the floor, 
just pick up your socks. Mm. It's not about <laughs> it's not about the socks, but it's about the fact that you are disrespecting my space and I've told you that it bothers me. Please do something about it and you don't. It's never about the socks. It's mm-hmm. never about the behavior itself. It's about the way you feel about the behavior. And sometimes you're irrational in how you react to something. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be grown enough to say, look, I'm overreacting about the socks. Sometimes I've got to let the socks slide but this is an important thing to me. I, I need you to show up. I think that's very, I think the, the the big thing is showing up. And I think it's very, 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 very big thing. I think in my prior, prior life, I've, and someone once said this to me, that the reason why they can't date me is because they feel they don't, that I won't need them. And they, this was their rationale for breaking up with me. They actually said this out loud, that I don't make them feel needed. I don't make them, and I and I asked him, I was like, where did you miss that I don't need you? Where did you miss me being present? Where did you miss? Is it because that I it's like when I'm sad I come to you? Was that not enough for you? Where did you miss it? And he, how he explains it is that he was your atypical Zulu boy, a A player, star player, and he said, you know, that it is very, very he, it, the economic thing matters to him. It actually does matter to him. It matters that I feel that if I want to buy something, that I, I, I won't be like, babe, can you please buy it for me? Mm-hmm. He, he wanted, that's how he recognized being needed in relationships. It's actually, yeah. So for me, I think it's understanding your partner. Um, some people need you to affirm them in the things that they do. Um, For example, my husband will be happy if I say, thank you for picking up the kids because I couldn't get them. But if I wake up at night to breastfeed, we won't wake up in the morning and he'll say, thank you for waking up at night. It's like, you can sit there and say, but we're doing equal efforts. Why must I applaud you? So I think it's understanding your person. Um, I went to a workshop the other week with um, Mapule Mzimba and she said, what they do with her partner is you must take a full day with your partner where you ask each other, what do you like about me? What don't you like about me? And you unpack those. And that will allow you to actually compliment each other on the things you're getting right and then fix the things that aren't going right. I haven't tried it, but from just what I heard, I think if you invest in that, you already know what your partner likes because you're listening to what annoys him? What does he like? That's when you pick up, oh, this is what makes this person feel a certain way. People might say it's an economical thing. It's not always just it's the money, it's the money. It's how they feel about you having money. Like my husband stopped working. He was going entrepreneurial. But it was how I think I made him feel in that space that made him carry on. Like it's... It works differently for different people. For me, it was, we share everything. You don't have to ask for money. I'll give you money. It's just because for some people, the psyche starts when they have to start asking for things and they're no longer giving stuff. It's just understanding your person and seeing that how how do certain things make you feel? Is it really the money or is it how the money makes you feel? The money makes me feel like I can take you to where you'll be happy. Maybe sign you like, whining and dining and at least if I've got money I can whine and dine you so how do I get to a space where you can do the stuff that you can see makes me happy even if it's exposing you to it's not always fine dining that makes me happy at your level I don't mind going there it still makes me happy it's just I think those kind of dynamics um yeah, I was trying to like absorb everything that was said between you and um, between Ukugu. But what I was kind of getting is from the both of you is that some people kind of have a hierarchy of what they bring to a relationship. Maybe with men, it's a lot more simple. Mm-hmm. So with us, we bring a lot. <laughs> and with men, they have this thing and it, it's unbinding and it doesn't bow. So it sounded like this gentleman that you were with, he sees himself as a provider. He wants to provide and when I, you are 
very much there and 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 open to him emotionally but for him that's not what he's trying to be he's trying to be a provider that's important to him or some people it might be just being a protector and that's super important to him and for your husband it sounds to me like what's important to him is being there and closing the gap and always just being consistently there and that's why you've recognized that and you always you know affirm it even though he doesn't really pay attention to you waking up at night but I think what's interesting to me is that um, in all of that, men, and I think it comes from what Wulilo said earlier, men will have their kind of boundaries, right? And they're quite set, and, and I may be shaking the table, but they're quite set when it comes to black women. But mm. if we remove a black woman, we put someone else in, mm. the rules mm. can change very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> the rules can change very quickly. Yeah. The same guy can date Banbani who yeah. makes millions and he'll be okay. Like, your person can be with someone who makes him pick up laundry, like, do all of the housework, wakes up at 12 p.m. And I know for me, a lot of the men in my family haven't married black women. And we look at them and we're like, hey, <laughs> like the wife will sleep until 11. The man will wake up. He will get the babies ready, watch them, get them dressed. By the time she wakes up, they're like running around on the on the mat. And we're like, must be nice. You know, like they're able to unshackle themselves from these stupid patriarchal ideas the moment they leave being with black women and for me my thought was how do we bring that into how do we get that level of involvement now here i mean i know you can do it so come and evolve here and let's try and figure out how we can make things pop so we're going to go to shaking the table talk how do you think your parents relationship has affected you yeah Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you're so personal <laughs> Very personal, actually, because I've noticed that a lot, all of you guys have done a lot of emotional work in terms of what you need in relationships and how to make relationships work. Mm. I'm wondering, where did you learn that? What is your point of reference? Has that evolved? Have you seen what you're practicing in real life? And I've learned it from banging my head and seeing <laughs> everyone else bang my head. I think in my family... On the on my mother's side, yeah, every woman has just gone through the most. Mm. Like every woman, and then all the men are like the best husbands in the world. So anyone who's like a child of my uncle has like the most perfect pick. You pick a fence home, and then anyone on the female side, yo, going <laughs> through it. And I think for me. A lot of my earlier relationships were definitely sh shaped by um, my childhood. I think I grew up in a two-parent home and two-parent home and quite dysfunctional. But what I realized is our moms overcompensate for the men that they're married to. So you don't notice the gaps until you're old enough to actually see them. Mm -hmm. So you will never feel a lack. So they overextended themselves so that you would never feel an emotional lack. Um and, you know, my family was very much so, like, my father probably earned 10 to 12 times more than my mom, like, major income disparity. Uh, my mom was a teacher. He obviously brought in everything. And what I saw was, you know, a lot of, like, emotional control, meant financial control. So a lot of the, the he would get his way by, you know, mm. pulling the levers financially. And I think for me, what I was taught by my mother, unfortunately, was that, don't depend on anyone. Make yourself as independent as possible. Achieve, achieve, achieve. You know, be the best that you can be. Stand on your own two feet. And I think that's what happens with a lot of black women. We get taught that and we learn to stand on our own two feet and achieve, achieve, achieve and never depend on anyone. And with boys, I don't think they go through that. And then what ends up happening is it kind of robs us a little bit because you get into a relationship where I will look at myself and look at someone who grew up in a very sort of two- two-parent and healthy two-parent relationship home, this person is able to just be vulnerable with their person. They're able to just let their person, you know, not be the man, but they're able to be pulp in this person's hands. They're able to be weak. They're able to, to show emotion to the person. And I'm like, I mean, my mom did the best that she could in raising me to be who I am, but I was probably quite 
it deficient in being able to just be there and be like and and allow the person to to come in and close a gap i want it to be the whole hundred percent and that's not how relationships work mm. and i think that's why i've taken my hiatus to kind of figure out who i am where i'm at where are my gaps because i think the biggest problem is that if i continue to try and get into relationships when i'm not fully whole i'm just gonna go up like this and it's not gonna be cute so I think my assignment now is to work on my wholeness as a person. Because this person will just come and we'll be two whole people together. I'm not I'm also not trying to fill someone else's gaps or to make up for someone else's, you know, trauma or their childhood. I'm I'm trying to meet someone else and Sukube and we work on what we're doing as much as we can. So I think my parents' relationship, how it affected me, unfortunately. Sitla and I, disclosure, our mom's taught at the same school. That's how I met Zitla. I've known Zitla practically since we were born. Yeah, yeah since, since we were little, born. Since I was born. Yeah, since I was born. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I think watching those relationships and also watching my own parents' relationships, one thing I did learn from my parents' relationship is that because I also had the same thing where there was a very big income disparity, I wanted never to be in a situation where someone can control me financially, can dictate dictate my actions dictate my lifestyle dictate and I found it quite abusive I think it's only now when I'm older that I can see that it was actually abuse my dad has never laid a hand on my my mother but it was abuse if we have to actually adequately describe it and I also felt that I my mom was incredibly hard on me as a as a daughter incredibly hard my mom expected perfection even now to this day she expects perfection because she wants me to be the best version of who i can be and she also doesn't want me to um lose out the irony of this situation which i i always laugh at the absolute irony now that i'm older she wants me now to get married <laughs> and i and i and, then, and i'm like well Parentals, this is not the relationship that I aspire to be. Yeah. Even though my mother made a lot of sacrifices emotionally for her marriage to my dad to work, which they still married. No one is divorced. Um, mm-hmm. My parents are still married. Um, made a lot to make it work. For some reason, I don't know if it's because it's black women, specifically in the Eastern Cape or in, the, in those areas. She has yet to make the jump that you can... The, the relationship that she sees, you can actually change the structure. You can actually ask for better. Yeah. Not financial better, but better emotionally. So, for example, I was dating someone, very well-off gentleman, and I broke up with him because he was a chronic cheater. Mm. When I explained to my mother the situation, I relayed the message. I'm like, this is why we broke up. That's why he's not coming to Umkid at the time of my baby brothers. And she, and she was like, he just cheated. That's why you're dumping him. Yeah. Out of all the things you could dump him. He's not hitting you. He's cheating you. Ah, everyone's going to cheat. And I was like, no, not everybody cheats. Yeah. I have a right to to say I deserve that this is not a non-negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. So I think our parents grew up in the, the long suffering of love to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't expect love to be easy. I don't expect relations to be easy. But there are certain extremes that you should not allow a person to take you to. Mm-hmm. And for me, the, the the key events that shaped my my outlook on relationship and things that I told myself that it will end with me, this thing I will not repeat for my children, mm. was during my dad's, you know, episodes. We had to go call, I think we had to call your mom, Sile, to mm. come take us somewhere. Mm. Because mm. at the time, my mom couldn't drive. She never licensed. She didn't have a license. Mm. Bear in mind, this was our school event. So for me, I was like, the humiliation of that thing and then watching my mother just having to be humiliated in that moment because it's shaking in your own house. So it's bad enough your kids can see. Now someone else outside of your household can see that it is shaking properly. Mm-hmm. So for me, those things, and that's why I think I have such an aversion to cheating because I, or any behavior, I was like, you, you humiliated me. And that is not something I will tolerate in any shape or form. Mm. So, Bulela? Yo. 
Like I said, personal. So my experience is very different from yours um, in that I grew up without a dad. My dad is very much alive and well, um, but my parents got divorced when I was two. So my mother got divorced at a time where it was illegal to get divorced without your husband's consent. So she had to take her divorce to the high court. Um, That's the lion mama I have. Um, So that is the level of independence I grew up around. I, to this day, even people who have dated me have struggled because I don't wait for people to open my door or to change my light bulb or to do anything, pull out my chair. I don't know how to be treated like this golden egg that I love. So I don't know how to operate in that space. And I'm so thankful for my mother teaching me how to be independent and strong on my own so that I know that even if I do find that love and it's not the love that I thought, my life won't end without it. I think it's important to recognize the love for what it is when it ultimately comes to you, but to know that it doesn't define you and it doesn't make you less of a person if it if it ends. Um, so I didn't have that role modeling, but I knew very early in life that I didn't want to be alone because I watched my mother go through so much. She had to take a downgrade in job to raise me. She did, She was working in a very senior marketing role and she's just like, I'm never home for my child. She became a secretary. She became a personal assistant so she could be home and raise me. Um, so for me, and maybe that's some of my fear around having children, for me, love is sacrifice. Um, and maybe I need to learn that it isn't necessarily only sacrifice. Yes, there are some things you need to compromise on. I need to shift from the mindset of sacrifice to compromise. Um, so I don't know what a healthy or unhealthy relationship looks like because by the time I was conscious in life, there was never a relationship for me to look at. Um, so I feel very much like I'm crafting my own thing and figuring it out on my own. And I grew up with the delusions for the longest time that the fact that I grew up without a father was not affecting me. <laughs> and I was just like, I can do this. I've got this on my own. I'm a healthy, I'm a, I'm a happy person. You know, I've gotten to get degrees and, and go and work in great companies and meet amazing people. I'm whole. And I'm not saying that I'm necessarily broken by it, but it does have an effect because I don't actually have at least a baseline to base any decisions about what a good partner is and what a bad partner is because I never saw any kind of partner around when I was growing up. So while I'm crafting my own thing, I think what's wonderful is that I don't have a lot of the parental pressures that my peers have. I don't have a mother forcing me to have children or pressuring me to have a husband because she's always ultimately said to me, I love you and I think you're going to choose the things that are right because I believe I've raised you right. And ultimately, if you go and have a child or you go and get married to a person that I forced you to, you're the one who's going to have to live with those decisions at night. Mm -hmm. You know, if this husband doesn't treat you right, I'm not going to be there to intervene. You're going to have to live with those choices. So, yes, there's a level of fear and there's a level of fierce independence to me, but I don't know how to be vulnerable and that scares me. Mm -hmm. Good, good. So, I'm more towards Bunela than you guys. I grew up in a single parent home. My mother, my father's also alive and kicking. <laughs> um, I talk to him, but we don't really have a close relationship. So for me, I found it's a blessing. I'm th- I think that's why I'm able to mold my relationship to what I need it to be, because I don't have that, this is how it should be. This is how it's set to be. My husband comes from a, uh, two-parent home where this is what he's seen and this is what he expects. So I can challenge the status quo because I don't have that. Anything that I get from our relationship, we're creating and it's based on how I feel, how do we feel, how do we get to where we need to get. That's why if I don't cook, guys, I don't feel bad. It's, it's a matter of I know where I'm filling the gaps at home. It's not a role I must fill. 
I don't have a daddy gap where most people say if you're in a single parent home, there's that gap which affects you in certain ways. I don't have it. Maybe I'm in denial. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like because of those things, I'm, I'm more free to actually understand that things are not necessarily always the way you want them to be. My mother was, she was great. She worked hard. She, there's nothing she didn't do to make sure I'm where I am today. And I appreciate her for that. But I think in my marriage, whatever is happening, learning over time and I get some things right. I don't get some things right. And it's okay. It's us molding whatever it is. And I think that's what makes it easy for me to sort of find my feet. Mm. So we're going to have to wrap up because we're running out of time. But what do you guys think of this whole status quo love episode? We've all, you guys don't know each other. You only met through me. So what do you guys think of it? I think it was short. <laughs> I could <laughs> do this like, all afternoon. <laughs> more than anything, I find it interesting that with the different perspectives that mm. we all have, and it really is based on our backgrounds, what we've gone through, what we expect and where we are currently. So I think I find it interesting. It could be a conversation that just keeps going. Mm. Mm. I've loved doing this. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm on a journey right now where I'm facilitating events and, and trying to get into spaces where I use my voice. I think I kind of underestimate the power of that. So this has been fun. <laughs> um, I... This is something I could talk about all day and I tend to when I get the, the opportunities, but I'm going to wrap up for the purposes of this discussion. But I've I've enjoyed hearing the differences, but I think I've enjoyed more hearing the same threads that happen, you know, speaking to a cuckoo who's married and been through this and and you, you're like, okay, there's hope. There's there's definitely hope there. But also knowing that you're not this weird person going on this journey by yourself. Um, and it's okay to want the things that you want for yourself. So that's been great for me. You know, when you invited me, I was like, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I am not the person you need here. But what I think is, that, you know, this is a really, really powerful space that you've created. It'll probably continue to 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 move on and it'll live on in other platforms. I think it's great that we have three different backgrounds and, you know, four different stories as well. I forget the host yeah. is also in there. <laughs> um, and I think people the power of people being able to see themselves in each of us and in being able to to sit down and reflect on each of our stories, I think is powerful. And I think the common thread here is that there is a journey of healing or a process of having healed and moved on. And, you know, there is, uh, not let me say happy ending, but let me say there are happy endings, you know, pending for some, you know, landed in, in, in others, on the way for others. And I think that that's a... That's a really, really, really powerful thing. So I think this is a, such a great space for us, by us. And, you know, I'm glad to have been a part of it. Thank you so much, ladies. Like, I think the discussion blew me away. It went far better than I expected. And, and I thank you guys for being so open and so vulnerable with me today. Um, this is not the end of the conversation. We're going to be keep on having there's going to be switching of tables, switching of chairs, but it's a conversation that's overlapping and it's going to be continuing because I honestly feel that the status quo on love is a journey. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, Thanks. Sandy.